Welcome to this edition of Don't Listen to Us. I'm Sean King. I'm Melissa King. Episode number 28. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? Are you are you special extra good today? Am I special extra good? Yes. Yeah. Why? I don't know. Why am I special extra good? Um, Melissa is now the officially the proud parent mother of a 21-year-old man. This is true. According to you, not everyone else, but according to you, this is a big deal. This is a big birthday. Yeah. He doesn't think so. I don't think so. But you think this is a, a big day. Why? In Australia, you get a key. This is like the what? key. It's like it, the, the symbolism of 21 is a key. Really? What, yeah. Who do you All the birthday cards have keys. It's a key. Key to adulthood. It's a key to being a grown-up. I, I didn't know this. First time you mentioned this. Yeah. Where do you get the key from? Well, it can be a key that's on um, a birthday card or a, a representative of a key, um, a, sim- a piece of symbolism. You might get it with a gift. or But the key, it used to be, when I was growing up, 21 was a big deal. Okay, you said you got a key. I thought it was like an official government thing or something like that. Oh, not from the government. It's a, it's a family. The from, family gives you keys. A, yeah. Do they give you actual like house keys? Well, you can get, I mean, things that I got for my 21st had keys, like your cake has a key on it and all that. I didn't know that. Yeah, I, I, yeah. Some, the first time you mentioned that. So it is a, it, it made a bigger deal in Australia. It was in, when I was 21. In America, it tends to be a big deal because that's drinking age. So that's why it's a big deal in America. But in Canada, drinking age 19 is not, not that big a deal. Yeah. And everything you can do, at least in Canada, happens at an earlier age. You're legally allowed to sign contracts. I think at 18, you can join the armed forces at 18. You can vote at 18. Um, your driver's license at 16, you legally can drink at 19. So for us in Canada, 21, 21 is not a big deal. 20 might be a, a bigger deal because you're going from being a teenager to an adult. So 21 may not be perceptually be a big deal. I think that's why Damon isn't taking it as much of a big deal as you no, are. No, he's Plus not. Plus the fact he's dour and humorless. Oh, <laughs> he's not. He's very intense. He's I'm a very intense so. young man. He is. At the moment, he is. He can be quite funny and silly and, and sweet and lovely. But at the moment, it's like, yeah, when are you leaving? When are you going? <laughs> is dinner done? Bye. But I love him dearly. Uh, so, yeah. we, so we made these plans to, to, to we're going to make him a roast chicken, a lovely roast chicken with yeah. sh- sh- shallots. And you correct me. You said shallots. Shallots. Um, uh, we're making a cheesecake, homemade cheesecake, all that kind of stuff. His favorite cake. Made pancakes for him this morning, and he just bitched about all of it. I mean, your mom, you know I don't like fluffy pancakes. I like flat, flat pancakes, just flat. I don't like the fluffiness. It's too much. Well, we, we can't afford to go for sushi, bud. We're going to... What? What? Baked chicken? I, you know, I hate chicken now. Like, this was Damon this morning. <laughs> oh, my God. Happy birthday. Happy freaking exactly. birthday. <laughs> Oh, dear. Yeah, I was just looking up to see um, in Australia, twenty four in Australia, anyway, I'll, I'll find it for you. But it okay. did used to be a big deal. Anyway, it was the last birthday I had with my mother, mm. so it was a big deal for me. So we'll, we'll undoubtedly hear from Jason Painter and Scott Frith Yes, in Jason, Sydney. please. And Scott, yes, and please. let us know whether or not it's still If it a big still thing. is, or did you... You had a whole anything? giant party put on by oh, your mother. Oh, my mom... Gave me a ball, a literally a ball yeah. in the in the town hall. Newcastle town hall is beautiful. Got buildings in t- gorgeous historical buildings, 
in Newcastle, Australia, there on the East Coast in New South Wales. And mum hired the ballroom. There was an open bar. There was entertainment. There was seating. It was a massive event. Massive. Now, is is the 16th birthday, especially for girls, Sweet 16, we call it North America, is that a big deal in Australia, turning 16? I don't know if it – I don't think it's the same as – I don't remember. And I know in uh, Latin cultures, maybe just specifically Mexican cultures, they have uh, what's called a quinceanera, which is a party for a girl when she turns a certain age. And Yes. And obviously the uh, Jewish people have – the bar and bat mitzvah at 13. Of course, yes, when yes. You, when, but well, we in in Canada, it's definitely the 19th is a big deal because you're legally allowed to go into the bars. Um, 16th is not that big a deal, except for getting your driver's license. Oh, yes, of course. That's, you know, for the kid, it's, it's a big deal. For the parents, obviously, it's 16. But um, I think for – and for me, it doesn't matter a whole lot because – and this is not meant to be a sob story, but I've never been – with people for any of my significant birthdays. When I was a kid, we, we were poor. So my 10th birthday, which is, you know, double digits. Yeah. Was no big deal. I didn't know. I never had a birthday party when I was a kid. Um, so, so that was no big deal. Uh, my 16th, uh, it was in on the farm in Nova Scotia and no one considered anything that important. I got my driver's license, but that was no big deal. When I turned 19, it was no big deal because I'd been going to the bar since I was 14. Yeah, so. yeah I know. Uh, yeah. I've been going to liquor stores. We'd all been drinking way <laughs> before exactly. we were supposed to be. And at 20 and 21, I was literally homeless, so I had no one to celebrate with then. And then at 30 and 40, there was no I, – I wasn't with anyone to celebrate then. I had no family and, and that kind of stuff. So for mm-hmm. me, they're not that important. The other problem with – I think – I want to say problem with me, but maybe other people have the same thing, is birthdays become, birthdays and Christmas, those gift-giving things become less important because, and I don't want this to sound as selfish as it's going to sound, is you can't get me the stuff I want for Christmas or my birthday, so let's not make a big deal of it. (laughs) I don't want to have to have fake enthusiasm for that tie you just gave me. You know, when, when I was a kid, I remember this distinctly. When I was like seven or eight years old for Christmas, I wanted a, tra- um, uh, a race car set. One of those little ovals, the little trigger, mm-hmm. and the cars in the slots, and just that's all I wanted. So I wanted. You didn't get it for Christmas. My birthday in May, what do you want for your birthday? Same. Race car set. Duh. <laughs> birthday comes, goes, didn't get it. Eight, nothing. Nine, nothing. Ten, nothing. Every single year. This is the only thing. The problem was every year I wanted the best version of that thing. Yes. I don't want, by the time I'm 10, I've been asking for this six times. I don't want just the oval. I want the one that is loop the loops, the wall, and four cars, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And it wasn't until I was, I think, 12 or 13 that finally I got the long, short, thin box. Of the race car set. So I was so like, finally, after all these years, I opened it up and it was a train set. What is wrong with you oh, people? Were they not listening? What is wrong with you? It's probably on sale. I don't have a fucking train set. No, I'm so sorry. My father set it up and he used it. I never used it once. Oh, well, he got set. it for himself. Like my brother used to buy me an album that he liked. Oh, Melissa, you'll <laughs> love this. Right. Oh, thanks. Yeah, really listen to it. you really like it. I gotta borrow it. Yeah. Yes. So for yeah, for me, birthdays haven't meant a whole lot um, for those reasons. Uh, how about you? Are, are, are you a birthday? Well, just on that note, 
but on that note, though, you sh- you need to open yourself up to receiving on your birthdays now because you get all closed off and gloomy and miserable. And it's like, Sean, it's your birthday. <laughs> and so you need to just be open and think, you know what? I know that my birthdays weren't what they should have been when I was growing up, etc. But now you're with us. The, so The other aspect of it, and this is something that's been throughout my entire life, is I hate being forced to do things and I hate being forced to do things culturally. So the idea that the culture tells you you have to act this way on this date simply because of this date annoys the shit out of me. I would believe you should be nice to people 365 days a year, not just at Christmas. And give presents to people when you see the present for them. Give people presents on Tuesdays. I understand what you're saying. No, don't people will say, oh, buy this for their birthday. When's their birthday? Six months. No, buy it for them now. I understand what you, oh, I get it. But on your birthday, having a cake is lovely. And maybe you could make it a tradition to do something for yourself on that day and go, wow, you know. Look you, at me in my life now and celebrate yeah, you. That's not what I want to do. Why? <laughs> because before you, that wasn't a happy thought. But now you have now, a yeah. family and we have plans and excitement and, and nice life. I so will there you say go. my best adult birthday by myself. No, actually, I was my best adult birthday before meeting you mm-hmm. was, I want to say, four years ago when I took off to um, the interior of British Columbia for a motorcycle ride just by myself and it was a the first day i was on the bike for 11 hours oh my god it was so much fun it was just stupid and the the funny thing was i was going to visit uh, my friend uh, glenn susan thayer in vernon they live in vernon which is from where i lived in vancouver to their house if you were in a car in a, in a in the most direct route, would have been three and a half hours. That's how much time I wasted wandering around. I literally went in the other direction to get to Vernon. If you but ever, there's if, some beautiful roads yeah, exactly. that you can I mean, explore. It, there's a road that's direct. You take if you want to look at this on a map, maps.google.com. Put in Vancouver and then put in Vernon. You'll see the direct route: Trans Canada, Coquihalla, mm-hmm. Vernon. Done. Boring. Boring as shit. Yeah. Just mind-numbingly boring. And again, if you want to if you want to follow along on a map, I went from um, Maple Ridge, not Maple Ridge, from uh, Chilliwack to Whistler, which is the exact opposite direction, mm-hmm. up into Lillooet, Pemberton, um, Cash Creek, gorgeous, Lytton, Bridge, down Lytton, into Lytton, and then mm-hmm. up and just piddled around up there mm-hmm. for several hours, and then over the top to Vernon. It was wonderful. Oh, it's beautiful. and that was my birthday weekend. And I met up with Glenn and Susan. We went to a pub and they bought me a beer. It was fantastic. That was the best birthday I gave myself. Good. Uh, it was so much fun. Just yeah. Doing so that. you can make a tradition of that. We got some emails, as always, folks. We want you guys to send us emails to DLTU at YML.me. We got some uh, one concern and one actual advice. The problem is the concern, I don't know how I'm going to react to this. So. Pay attention and watch. This is from our friend Scott in Sydney, Australia. Hey, Sean and Melissa, I was listening to last week's episode and slightly alarmed to hear Sean say he was concerned, etc., about the lack of history he was going to find in Australia. Hmm. Yes, Australia, as a white civilization, is only 230 years old. But in that time, we have some amazing historical buildings and sites that I'm sure you will enjoy discovering. But on top of that, we also have the longest continuous living culture in the world, being our traditional Aboriginal inhabitants. 
These cultures have dated as old, have been dated as old, older than sixty five thousand years. Mm. All over the country, we have amazing traditional sites that the local communities will happily show and explain to anyone who has an interest. The rock art is a cultural phenomenon that I'm sure Sean will have an amazing time capturing in photographs. Now the problem is, how do I tactfully say my next sentence? Which yeah. is, and I'm doing this untactfully on purpose, Scott. I don't care. It's it's, <laughs> and I'm, I don't care is, is not the way I should say it. But I have always been again because I think I think I lived on the East Coast and, and come from a British tradition um, of a country. Much more interested in European history, European art, and yes, that can be portrayed or construed as white art. That's not the way I see it, but it certainly is true. That is pri- primarily uh, the the white civilizations' art: Rome and and uh, England and France and Germany and that kind of uh, Caucasian centric art and history. I completely admit to that. I have no problem admitting that. And I really, honestly, have never had any real interest in either Australian or even Canadian native things. I've known a little bit about the. Australian Aboriginals. I had not. I did not know that they were the oldest continuous culture in the world. Um, and yes, I would have enjoyed taking pictures of the rock art. It's the perception, I think, of the the youth of Australia. Same with Vancouver. I had the same problem with with Vancouver. Even though we have a native population here in British Columbia that's been around for tens of thousands of years. Uh, the Great Bear Rainforest is one of the most spectacular native places in uh, the world. Uh, the Haida Gwaii community, the uh, Coast Salish Indians, we've got an amazing native community here. But I honestly have not had a whole lot of interest in their art and culture. And maybe that's on me. And maybe I will. The other thing, thinking about Scott's email, reminded me that, and again, this is not meant to be an insult, I, have no, I had no interest in going to Australia. Um, it's never been a area of the world. I, I, I know it's beautiful. I know people are wonderful. I've never met an unfriendly Australian, uh, but I never had any interest in going because I'm Eurocentric. I'm focused on Rome and Lisbon and the history and art of Europe. But having been to Australia, now I'm dying to go back. So maybe the same thing will happen when I get there and start getting interested in, in or maybe I'll get interested in, in Aboriginal culture and art. The... Um, that art gallery we went to on uh, Sydney Harbor uh, was beautiful. Some of the art in there was spectacular. Stuff I'd, I'd like to buy and hang up. We could only afford the, the, the fridge magnets. Mm-hmm. But, <laughs> but there was some beautiful stuff there. So, yeah, maybe I will turn an interest into it. Have you? Uh, do, do you understand well, what I'm saying? Do you- well, but you're not... You're not a guy that is that. Uh, well, you're not really into nature. You're not really yes. into the spirituality yep. of of the animals and the trees and what nature itself can represent spiritually and stories and things like that. So, whereas I love all that. That's so a good point. I hadn't thought. You're of not that really one. like that. You you like art after a certain century. Uh, that represents. I mean, if, when I look at, at when I think about European art, it's from a certain point in time. It's very intense and very religious and very, you know, there's just it's so different yep. to the to the art of Aboriginal cultures. Mm-hmm. That's a very good point. I hadn't thought of it that way. That it's it, because I I have that lack of 
I don't know, concern, empathy, whatever word you want to use. I'm just not a nature guy. I'm not no. a guy who walks in the wood. I'm not a guy who knows what a tree, what that tree is or, or an else. Yes, so maybe, whereas maybe their, their art is based on the natural world yeah. and, and what happened. I mean, I loved that that beautiful um, story of the coastal Aboriginals in Australia, how their story about the Great Barrier Reef and the rising of the oceans. So right. that was their way of, of keeping th- – that, that's how they processed it. The oceans rose and they had a, they created a legend and it was beautiful and they still do it in their dancing. We were watching uh, David Attenborough's uh, BBC special uh, on the Great Barrier Reef, three-part B- BBC special. And they were, talk- they were talking about that. The Aboriginals were telling their story of that they passed down for thousands and thousands mm. of years of how the reef came about. Mm-hmm. And the interesting thing is how that story coincides with the actual geological fact. Yes. Of, of the their, oceans rising. Their, and the oceans rose significantly yeah, and yeah. quickly. And Hundreds so they, of meters in a year. Yes. Um, incredible for those coastal people to go, whoa, okay. We've been talking about, obviously, for a long time, and we'll continue to talk about uh, the fact that we're going to uh, be moving for at least a year uh, to Australia. And Melissa has said that we want to take a couple of weeks off and go on a, like a real family vacation to Cairns. Am I saying it right? Mm-hmm. To uh, learn to scuba, scuba dive on the Great Barrier Reef, which is just, I start drooling when you say that. I did not know until we started looking this up that the Barrier Reef wasn't off the beach. Yeah, because every place, every place I've ever swum on a reef in, in Mexico or Bermuda or Barbados has been... You, right you there. Walk, you walk out of your hotel, you walk off the reef, you jump. You, you walk off the, the jetty and jump in, there's the reef. I didn't know the Great Barrier Reef is significantly off the coast mm-hmm. of, of yeah. Australia. You've got to get I, on the boat and go yeah, out to the I reef. I thought you could swim out there, but you mm-hmm. can't. It's mm-hmm. a two, three-hour boat ride. Mm-hmm. And you stay out there and overnight, out there. yes. You, you, you can't stay out overnight. Yes. We're, we're really hoping, fingers crossed, that we can pull that one off. But, yeah, the, the Barrier Reef has always been, it's a, anyone who scuba dives. That is going to be, have to be one of your dreams to, at some point, scuba dive on the Great Barrier Reef. It must be done. Um, I'm really, really looking forward to doing that. That, that would be an amazing, amazing it is, trip. It is incredible. Never been oh on, never God. been anywhere near it. Don't know anything. Yeah, uh, I know a lot about it because when I was a kid, I was a huge fan of Jacques Cousteau. On the, yes. Every Sunday night there was a Jacques Cousteau special. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And we always watched those. And he, he often did uh, Barrier Reef stuff. And it's just spectacular. Just so it beautiful. Is. Um, so it definitely is. looking at that. So hopefully, I, when we move to Australia, I will gain an appreciation for the the if nothing else, the Aboriginal history and culture of Australia. Yes, no guarantees, but, but well, thanks. and me too. I'd like to. I mean, their art to me is very, very uh, moving and beautiful. And now to the advice section. All right, from uh, Scott as well. Nope, nope, from Sarah. Oh, from our, Sarah. Our friend oh, Sarah. Okay. Hey, you too. I'm going through a friend problem. My dear friend, who's very close to my heart, sometimes takes me for granted. A little while ago, he went back to his hometown, Ontario, for a visit. I texted him asking when he'd be home so we could hang out. All through his trip, he wouldn't answer my text, but he'd answer it when it was a group chat with him and my friend. I sent him a text telling him how I feel, but he didn't answer. I really don't want to end this friendship because he's in my band, and I don't want to make this awkward when I hang out with my band. At the same time, I feel like this friendship stresses me out so much, and I'm scared to tell him that I want to end this friendship because he might say I'm overreacting and I might burst into tears. What should I do? Oh, my. Well, 
First of all, if there's fear, you got to overcome it and go, hi, fear. Hey, I see you, but you just got to do what you got to do. There's fear in many, many things in life, Sarah, but, and you just got to go for it. And I know you're brave and courageous and you can do that. And you might cry and whatever, but that's okay too. The key for me was Sarah saying, um, at the same time, I feel this friendship stresses me out. Done, yeah. done, right there, stop, full stop. Yeah. Sarah, everyone's life has stress in it. And some of the stress you can't avoid. And you know this as well as, as anybody else. Some stress you can't avoid. The stress that you can avoid, avoid it. Because there's yeah. going to be enough other stress. Oh, my gosh. That Sarah. you can't free, avoid. Yeah, free up your space in your, in your heart. This, stress. This person has shown you they don't value your friendship as much as you value it. And one of the things that you have to learn, but it's very, very hard to learn, and oftentimes you don't learn it until you're well into your 60s or 70s, Friendships, and I, it's something I'm just beginning to learn, friendships have a time limit. Mm-hmm. Sometimes that time is with one of you die. Other times it can be five years. It, it can, can be 10 years. It can be six months. It can be a six-month friendship. That's right. So don't think that every friend that you, you have now, you must be friends with that person for the rest of your life. That's right. The friendship has, sounds like this friendship has run its course for whatever reason. And if the person isn't responding to you, in a way that makes you feel good, then you've got to stop letting that person make you feel this way. You are let by continuing to text them when they ignore you by, um, um, you said you sent him a text telling you how he, how you feel, but he didn't answer that right there tells you everything you need to know that this person doesn't value your friendship. Now as to the band thing, well, Lots of bands of people that don't like each other. I mean, Paul McCartney and John Lennon didn't like each other for for many years. Yeah, and uh, I think that the word for me that comes to mind is expectation. Mm. Let go of expectation and just let it be, and you might find some contentedness in your heart about it. But just back away a little bit. Yep. Uh, she says, I'm scared to tell him that I want to end this friendship because he might say I'm overreacting. That's another sign. Yeah. If you're scared to say something, that's not a good friendship. Yeah. You, you should never be scared to say something to a to friend. To a friend, that's true. And a friend can get mad at you, but yeah. a real friend comes back and goes, I'm sorry I got mad at you. Yeah. I don't I mean not agree with what you said, but I'm sorry I got mad at you, that kind of stuff. So good luck, Sarah. Good luck, Sarah. I saw this story and I thought that this kid makes us all look bad and I hate him. This, this teen found a purse with $10,000 inside and turned it into the police. You little shit. Six-year-old found a purse with $10,000 inside. He turned it into the police. Uh, Rami Zini was on his way home from school when he saw a purse in the middle of the street. Rami looked inside and found $10,000 in cash after talking to his parents. He brought it to the Santa Barbara County Sheriff's Office. Now, right there... Santa Barbara is a very well-to-do community in California. Yes. These stories I find always fascinating because they bring up this wonderful conversation that we have, but it also lets people know who are listening to me that I'm a jerk (laughs) because I'm keeping this money. I think whether you keep this money or not depends on your own personal socioeconomic situation. If I'm rich... I'm giving the $10,000 back. It's like if I'm Warren Buffett and I find this, like this is a pocket change. Here, take it back. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. If you're, although we have heard of homeless people giving back this yes, kind of money. Yes, we have. That's stupid. I'm just mm. saying. 
But the the story always ends up being not always, but mostly most of them ends up in this case. Woman left the money on it was it was she was buying a car, and she left the the her purse on top of her car, and drove off. Okay, I'm a firm believer in that there are, there's punishment for being stupid, or there should be punishment for for being stupid. Is ten thousand dollars too much of a punishment to pay for being stupid? Because if you have ten thousand dollars. I'm not letting it out of my hand. Oh, I know. If it's in a purse, I'm, I'm, the purse is now Velcroed to my head. I know. I'm not putting it on the top of my car. Maybe she was anxious about having it and it made her all dis- disorganized. What would you have done? Kept it. <laughs> no doubt. No. No chance, no hope, no, just no. nothing. I know. I'm sorry. If and it, I'm if sorry. It, and I wouldn't. I don't. Well, I, I don't know at this point. And uh, listen, it wouldn't have been frivolously spent on oh, yeah, new no, shoes. No, and, no right. it would have been gone, you know, for my Rent children and, bills and for and us. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. C'est la vie. Yeah. I would say c'est la vie. I think I'd worry. Is there like a number on money that can be traced or whatever? I, I, if you go to the bank and get $10,000 out, they're going to give it to you from a pile of $10,000. And those num- those bills will be sequential. And the bank does know, the, 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 the government knows which bank they gave that number to. Oh. Right? That sequence of, of, of numbers to. So the bank is going to then, and if you get 10000 bucks, the bank is definitely going to keep a record of who, if you just get $1,000, the bank probably isn't going to check that stuff. But a large sum of money like that, the bank is probably going to... Make note: the serial number from this to this was given to that person. There's no guarantee of that, but that, but it doesn't matter because I'm not. I'm going to spend. I'm not going to spend the money at the bank. I'm going to spend. It's in a hundred hundred dollar notes. You're going to spend it on on. Well, no, you. If you can pay your credit card off, you can put it in 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 the bank. You are. Because I, so, I would lay awake at night, like in fe- like thinking, oh my god, I shouldn't. Like I would have guilt. You know, I say I wouldn't, but I would. Now, here's another aspect of this. What's the legal obligation? Do you have a legal obligation to give that money to give that money to the police? Because well, what yeah. happens is, in general, if you find any, if you find a dollar, you can do this. You you go to the police station, say, "I found this." The police will say, "Okay, thank you very much. We're going to put it aside yeah. for anywhere from thirty days to ninety days, depending on on the jurisdiction." If no one claims, and, and the police will um, uh, make a note of it, and someone comes in and goes, "Hey, I lost this money," the police will say, "Can you identify it?" That kind of stuff. The police will um, put it in a notice. Maybe there's a local paper. They might do it. Depends on the rules of, of the police department. Um, and then, if no one claims after that period of time, you can then it's it's legally yours. But do you have a legal obligation to turn found money in? No. I don't know. You might. I don't know. Oh. I hadn't thought of that. What? So if they discovered that you had kept it, you could get arrested? It could be argued that that's theft. You know it's not your money. You know, you you found money. You know it's not yours. If you keep it, you've stolen money from somebody. Hmm. Right? That's someone else's money. And you're, if, you, if you keep it, that's theft. So, yeah, you, in theory, could be charged for it. Hmm. Interesting. So you have to launder the money somehow. <laughs> mm, so how did, um, what did he get? Uh, I'm not even going to find out because I, I don't want to know because it's always, it's never enough. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it's never enough. You give you a hundred bucks, you go, you cheap bastard. Yeah, really. You know, Come so. on. 
But good for the kid. Six good years old. Good for the kid. And maybe that lady has worked hard for that money right. for a long time. And that would be the bit that I would lay awake in bed and yes. think, oh, my goodness. But if it was a lady that really needed that money. And- yep. I, I, I would lay awake for about 10, 15 seconds. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm poor. Been mm. poor my entire life, so yeah. I'm, yeah I'm, money's uh, got a lot of pull, doesn't right. it? And I've lost a lot of money in different kind of ways, so mm. yeah, it does have a lot of pull. Mm. The um, and, and first thing I thought when I saw this story was like, let's make this kid the next Supreme Court Justice of the United States, huh? Yeah, really. Oh my goodness, yes. Let's. You move have on. no idea who this is, but I want to get your thoughts on this sentence. Linus Torvalds and the nerds in the audience are now going. Ah. Linus Torvalds apologizes for years of being a jerk, takes time off to learn empathy. He's a CEO of a company, but the the question is, and this was my honest question on Twitter, can empathy be learned? Hmm. You know, he's 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 a known jerk. Torvalds been been a jerk for years, and just to be clear, according to um the Mac OS, empathy is the ability to understand and share the feelings of others. Hmm. Can you learn that? Is that a skill I you would can go say, to classes for? I would say that the, the uh, that by the very act of, of making it public that he's taken time off to learn empathy means that maybe he has some potential to you'd have to practice it. I think I think that there are many many people in this world that have natural empathy. That they naturally can put themselves into somebody else's position yeah. and 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 feel a compassion or or a sure. a forgiveness or whatever. But um, I'm not going to say that it can't be learned, but it would have to be practiced very very consistently for somebody for it to become a natural inclination. Yeah, I don't know if it's if it's possible to to. Um do that in a in a nat in a in a learned way. I think empathy is is too much who you are as a human being. But what about assertiveness? I mean, I have to. I had to all my life practice being assertive, being confident, because yeah. I was very very shy and very very inner and quiet. And I went. I entered into things in my life where I had to learn how to stand up in front of people and do presentations and do. And so I learned confidence, and then I learned to be assertive. Mm-hmm. I learned. So why, why not empathy? I think because confidence can be learned because if there are a, um, a, a set of things you can do to, if nothing else, appear to be more confident. And then that, and that that's a self-fulfilling prophecy. You become, oh, this is easy. This is I can do this kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Whereas empathy feels, I may be completely wrong on this, empathy feels like something that's much more inner, much more, for lack of a better way to describe it, in your soul. Yes, in your DNA. In your DNA. I agree. And and, and I don't disagree that someone uh, responded on Twitter and said, well, you can fake empathy. Yes. Oh, you could fake it. I think that's but, what he's doing. Uh, I think that's what he's saying. He's not saying this, but that's what is going to happen. He's going to learn to fu- see those um, social cues that trigger him to go, oh, this is where I'm supposed to be emp- emp- empathetic. Yeah. You know what I mean? But that doesn't mean his actions will then be a reflection of true empathy. Yeah. For example, because you, know, you can pretend and then your actions will not necessarily 
represent that. You can teach someone to appear confident in a a public speaking role by saying, and you walk across the, 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 the stage with confidence and you, you don't, um, and you speak in a good, so you're, you're appearing confident. Mm -hmm. I don't know that you can do that with empathy. Mm. That has to be already there to a certain degree. So did he say I'm taking time off to learn empathy? Well, it, it, the, the, the backstory is, is he's been a jerk for years. Um, an unconcerning, um, just, just a jerk, you know, typical, typical, sorry, say, saying that, but that stereotypical nerd that has no social skills and, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. one of those guys who is a genius, but can't, doesn't realize that everyone else isn't as much of a genius as he is. And those things like, how can you be so stupid kind yes. of stuff? You know, how can you not know this? It is a trait of being on the autism spectrum sure, is yeah. not having empathy. They don't, and not meaning to, I'm not being, um, um, criticizing or insulting to people that are on the spectrum but it is i think a difficult thing for them to be i think it's easier for them to be empathetic with animals perhaps than what it is with other humans temple grandin yeah that she could but i think we're more empathetic empathetic towards animals because animals don't hurt us it's it's hard to be empathetic to something that has the potential to hurt you back Mm. you protect yourself if i'm if you hear this from people that I'm a jerk because I don't, I don't want, I'm going to be a jerk before, before you're a jerk. Um, Melissa and I have become addicted and binge watching lost. <laughs> and the character of Sawyer is very much that I'm going to be a jerk first because mm-hmm. then I can control the jerkness, mm-hmm. right? I'm mm-hmm. going to make you hate me because I can control that. Yes. Whereas if I open myself up to love and you are a human being and you, yeah, you're you going to hurt me. Not everyone does, but enough people have hurt him for whatever reason. Yes. That he has this wall now of hate. Yes. And that he's, he's just, created. Yes. And he's happy with. Yeah. Well, he, well, not really, but he thinks he is. He thinks he is. Yes. You enjoying Lost? Hmm. I, well, it's just like, it's like reading a silly book, isn't it? You just sort of watch it and go into lovely mindlessness for a while in the evenings. It's just silly. I do like the mindlessness I'm, of it. I yeah. like the mindless. Yeah. Sometimes I need that because yep. like a lot of people, you include, I just tend to think too much sometimes. So yes, it's good do. to turn it off. <laughs> Let's go to the other advice section. Uh, Dear Prudence, my son married a woman with three children, raised them with her for more than six years. They divorced three years ago, and she began to cut off contact with the children on a whim to punish him and us. My husband and I consider them our grandchildren, but we had no legal right to see them. Last Christmas, my former daughter-in-law told us we could deliver the children presents and take them out to eat. When we were 15 minutes away, she called and told us to turn around. Wouldn't even let us speak to them on the phone. This has been devastating. My son refuses to speak about it anymore and has asked us to take down the pictures of the children we have in our home. So we boxed them away. My problem is that my husband and I started saving a college fund for the children after he got married. I don't know what to do about it anymore. We have no other grandchildren, and giving it to my son's ex would be like setting it on fire. Her gambling addiction, blah, blah, blah. In my dreams, I imagine seeing my grandchildren when they're grown up and offering it to them, but I know that's not going to happen. What should we do? Donate it? Give it to my son? Hold on to it in case our son ever remarries? It isn't a vast sum of money, but it feels tainted now, a reminder of the children we lost. How sad is that? Oh, they sound like such lovely people. I would put it aside in one of their in their names or somehow put it in a trust and just for them. And then you just then it's gone and you know it's gonna be for them and then one day you can have it in your will or whatever that that money is for those 
for those That's people. a really difficult situation. And obviously now in our society, because of marriage and remarriage and children, it happens more and more often where the grandparents are the ones who are hurt the most by this. Sounds like the son has put his pain away and is going to either ignore He's undoubtedly still hurts, hurt about it. But he's put the pain away, but the grandparents haven't. They 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 want to see what, who they consider their grandchildren. Mm, they and, love them. And the daughter-in-law, the former daughter-in-law, despite the son, is preventing that. And that's the problem. It's not. It's got nothing, nothing to do with the son. The 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 do, former daughter-in-law. You would hope that she would let the former grandparents. Still be grandparents. I mean, these well, for the like, good of the children. Yeah. All children need lovely, loving, giving grandparents. The problem is, what happens if the former daughter-in-law remarries and now has got three sets of grandparents? It doesn't matter. The exactly. more, the merrier. That's right. That's I right. think she is nervous, or for whatever reasons, thinking that she's going to be very harshly judged yes. by these people, yeah. and that's hard yeah. when you may have some problems and you think they're going to come to your home and judge you when all they really want to do is come and see the children it doesn't sound from the tone of this letter that the former daughter-in-law would have any issues with the grandparents themselves saying oh your mother is a bitch and that kind of oh, stuff oh yeah no they don't sound like that at all they sound like just lovely people just, who want to see their grandkids yeah let them see the grandkids and I think that it's a huge amazing thing that um, so much love can be shared between adults and children when there is no genetic connection, yeah, when yeah. it's just a connection of, oh, here are these children, they're in my family now, my son has married this woman or however it is with children and I'm going to love these children. It's there's so lovely. No, there's no such thing as too much love. Never. Never. If you have people who want to love your children, who, oh. are, who are good people, oh. you let, let them. it happen. You let try them. and put whatever your issues are aside and just let that happen. Because these kids are, there's no genetic uh, connection at all. There's no family connection at all. But there are people who want to love your children. Mm -hmm. And they're going to go through enough pain and, and uh, just through life that it'd be nice if they had two other people they can rely on. Absolutely. You they never can count know. on in the future yep. for whatever reason. And those people could play a key role in your child's life. Hmm. The advice, I, I rarely read the advice out, but this one I think is really good. Speak to a lawyer about setting up a trust, which is what you said, yeah. for the children they can legally access when they turn 18. Yeah. Even if they don't, even the grandparents don't think they'll be able to connect to the children, the lawyer can sort of keep track of the kids. Yeah. And at, at the age of 18, say, here's a letter from your former grandparents who you're 18 now. We can do, you can make your own decisions if you want to. Here's the mm -hmm. phone number. Mm -hmm. Um. But yeah, if uh, put the money aside, if you if you keep it, if it's one of those things you keep feeding into, keep feeding into it. Yeah, and, and also because of maybe your son gets remarried and has other kids too. But keep the keep the money going. Absolutely. I feel really bad for it. That's just an awful awful story. Hmm. When I was sixteen, my father died suddenly. My mother coped as best she could, raising me and my two brothers on her own. When I was away at college, she got rid of nearly all my father's belongings. She gave my father's sister the wedding ring that he had once that had once belonged to his mother, so the sister's mother too, and that he had bequeathed to me. My mom felt the ring would mean more to my aunt since my grandmother had died before I was even born. I found this out later and didn't object at the time, but as I've grown older, I regret having almost nothing of my father's apart from a few photos. 
My aunt has since died, and I assume the ring was passed down to her daughter. Hmm. I know it's churlish, but I'd really like to ask my cousin for the ring, since my dad had meant for me to have it. I have no idea of its monetary value, but I don't think it's very much. My cousin and I are not close. She's almost a generation older than I am. So if I made this request, I know it would be a surprise to her and possibly an unwelcome one. On the other hand, she also never had the chance to meet our grandmother, and I'm sure has no other has other mementos of her mother. Do I need to let this go, or would it be okay to ask? I think you go right ahead and ask. Speaking of someone who's been in the situation. Yeah, because after my mum died, I was a young woman, and when you finally get to that point, although... I don't know. I can't give advice on when it's the right time. It has to feel right. You go and you have to get rid of everything, clothing, everything, yep. and start to distribute and, yep. and start to. And there were things that I, because I was young and I just wasn't thinking uh, straight, I guess, things that were given that shouldn't have been. Yeah. And there's one thing in particular that I want back. And it's gone from a mother my sister-in-law to a daughter my niece and i want it back and it's a very difficult thing but i understand wanting that i do so you have to ask and you and you just you make it very clear the reason why all you can do is ask but you must ask that's right that's right because if you don't ask you you never know you never know and then we'll see you got to see where it goes you after know, maybe that maybe your cousin who doesn't know you and you don't know them says no i'm, I'm holding on to this mm-hmm. okay at least now you know at least you know but you must ask i'd be willing to bet the cousin is going to go oh sweetheart yes here you know, i hope and, so and send, send right yes back yes and that just shows you do have to be very very careful but at the time, it's difficult because if yes. your father dies when you're 16, you're like, like you don't care. And then years go by and you think, oh, my gosh, I need that. Yeah. I want that. Yeah, it's very tricky. My family situation is, for those who've been following me throughout my career, knows it's very effed up. I mean, as I always joke, my family puts the fun and dysfunctional. Um, and I have nothing of my real father. I didn't know who my real father was until five years ago. And so I went to visit my newfound uh, sister, and we talked about my dad. And it turned out, dad was a jerk. He, he wasn't a very nice guy. That's okay. I'm I'm okay with that. I, I have no emotional feeling towards those words whatsoever. I'm sorry he was a jerk to my new little sister. And I've got one picture of him, and it's very funny. Everyone who sees the picture says I I look like him, which really kind of freaked me out because I don't see it. But other people see them. I hair. do. I've I seen know. It. Yeah, you, mm-hmm. you said oh, the yes. same thing. Oh yes, no, 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 definitely. And so I've got this one picture of him on his wedding day, getting married to my. I guess would be my. I don't know who she was. <laughs> I have no idea what the family relationship would have been. And my lovely sister Kathy, who lives in Kingston, Ontario. Hi, Kathy. If you haven't been listening, gave me my dad's old binoculars. Mm. Just an old pair, of, and they're hanging on the the, mm-hmm. the wall behind mm-hmm. Melissa. And because they're, I think they're, but not Bausch and Lomb. There's a, what's the name on the uh, on the binoculars? Because I know Bausch and Lomb is really good. Ben and Howell. Oh, they're Bushnells. Bushnells. I, I knew there was a name for them. Yeah. Um, but a very well known reputable yes. country uh, c- company. These are from the '60s. These are mm-hmm. old metal, 
heavy binoculars. I love those binoculars. Oh, they're awesome. They're great. Yeah. I like them even if they weren't my dad. But mm-hmm. she gave this. She, we, I, yeah, I love that. Mm-hmm. And his little itty bitty tiny Swiss Army knife. I'd never had a pocket knife in my entire life. And yet my sister gave me dad's old little pocket knife. And that was very sweet of her. Mm-hmm. I've never taken it anywhere with me because I don't want TSA to take it away from me. Mm-hmm. I don't want to get, oh, this is an illegal knife. And I'd have to go. I, I would literally say I'm going to miss my flight because I'm not giving you my dad's pocket knife. Those are the only three things I have uh, memories of my father. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know if she hadn't given me that stuff. Would I ask her, hey, is there anything of dad's that you can give me because I don't have any memory of him. I have no direct connection to him, but I do know how important those three things are. So I can only imagine how you feel about this object that you want from your mother Mm -hmm. or how this person feels about this object they want from their father. Mm -hmm. If I had that strong a connection with a guy that I know, I don't even know, never met, never spoke to, don't know anything about him, then I can imagine how much stronger the connection it would be for you guys to mm-hmm. to want those things. Well, to make it worse, uh, it, one was a, a certain this certain item that wasn't my mother's it was, and there was an attempted return of something that wasn't my mother's, and it's like what? This yeah, it was kind of weird. Yes, yeah, so no, uh, yes. Needless to say, I am extremely, and this is what happens, people, and you've got to be so careful in yep. families. Because I adore my niece. She is just magnificent. I love her, but I am so pissed off at her right now. I can barely, I can't even correspond with her right now. I'm that pissed off with her. I don't blame you. No. Especially given that she said she would give it back and has never done it. So long ago. And then I got to go. Anyway, you've got to be careful because these things create rifts in families. Yesterday was my son's birthday, apropos of Damon's birthday today. On Saturday, I took him and two friends to a preseason pro football game, including a tailgate before the game and pizza afterward as his birthday gift. When my ex-husband heard about the football game, he declared, I haven't given our son a real gift, as in something tangible to open. He apparently talked all day about how I'd ruined our son's birthday by not giving him a proper gift. When my son got home, he was upset about not having received a real gift for him to open on his birthday. When I reminded him that his gift was an awesome experience watching his favorite team win a, ba- a football game, he got upset that his dad had made him get upset with me. What do I do now? Oh. Well, my first thought is what I've been saying to uh, m- the youngest in, in there is that, you know what? It's not about things. It's about experiences. And that's what will matter the most and that's what you will carry through with you the most as you grow up. So that's what I would say to this young man. I gave you an experience and if your father thinks that a tangible is more valuable, then you have to figure that out with your dad. Like, you know, oh my God. There are two ways to deal with this. The kind, gentle, empathetic method of Melissa and there's the Sean method. The Melissa... (laughs) What is the Sean method? Let's go to the Melissa method first. The Melissa method is exactly that. And one one of the other things that you would say is that your father and I have different views of what a birthday gift is. I'm not going to take it up with the ex. Forget that. Your father's view is that of something in a box with wrapping paper around it and a bow. Okay, and that's fine for your dad. I have yeah, a different right. view. That's right. My view is we had this wonderful day together. Yeah. Me and your two friends cheering on football and having pizza. Yep. That was an experience. Mm-hmm. That was a, a lot more. That, to me, 
was the gift I wanted to give you, was the gift of that experience. Yes. Okay? Sean's method is your father's a jackass. <sighs> Not everything in life has to be a boxed gift. Oh, goodness, no. Everything that you get in life will not show up with a ribbon on top of it. Mm-mm. You will have things that will be surprises and gifts that are that are musical, that are oral, that are visual, that have nothing to do with going to Toys R Us and buying you a packaged box. And then I call up the ex-husband and go, you asshole, don't say things like that. Mm-hmm. That you're, you're, pit, you're pitting the child against me. Mm-hmm. And you're you're putting thoughts in his head that then make him upset mm-hmm. when I describe the way I do it. Mm-hmm. Hey, Jackface, if that's the way you want to celebrate his birthday, that is fine. Mm-hmm. Buy him all the boxes of shit you want. I'm doing it differently. This is the way I want to do it. Mm-hmm. And I like this method after a certain age more so than else. Oh, one goodness, of the things, yes. You know, buying gifts for a six-year-old is a pain in the ass. I don't know what age this kid is. I'm just, I'm just saying. Oh, yeah. But, but I, buying I, experiences oh, it's the best. is so much more fun. Yeah. I mean, I look at all this shit now that I have carried around for years <laughs> that is just now all of these items just sitting around that were purchased for birthdays nope. and Christmas. And, you know, I take them to charity, yep. but... We could have afforded to go to Australia and back a few times on all those useless plastic items. The This is one of the things I hate about our Western consumer capitalist society, that things are only gifts if they come in a box, if they come in wrapping paper. like And especially for me, with my background as a kid of Christmas in particular, being awful. That there were often few, if any, presents underneath the tree. You're told that this is how much your parents love you is by how many boxes are underneath that mm-hmm. tree. Mm-hmm. And there were years where I thought my parents didn't love me at all because we didn't get anything mm-hmm. or we didn't get very much. Mm-hmm. That's awful. Mm-hmm. What a horrible thing to put in a seven-year-old's mind mm-hmm. or a 10-year-old's mind. That's terrible. Well, there's also that. The portrayal of Christmas yep. in movies and all of it is there's a pile of presents under the tree. I hate that. Yeah. 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 But, you know, you have to remember that when you were a boy, you really, really wanted that. So up to a certain age, you do. True. But then some families start traditions, especially if they're big families. Like uh, my friend Giddy, uh, she has her three daughters and a son and now, and there's son-in-laws and, you know, and all yep. that stuff. Um. Is that, you know, everybody, that uh, you get one gift. There's one, what, what do you want? And usually people might go, oh, mom, you know, I really need some, you know, but she'll usually get lovely gifts for them that is, is one each, yep. one gift each. And then I think there's a gift for the house. They've, they've made it so that there's a limit to it, of course, because of how many of them there are. Yes. But it's just lovely. And everybody, it's all in control and everybody knows so everyone's going to get that one gift. Yep. Simple. I think the best Christmas I had I've had in a long time was last year. The three of us, the four of us, with with the cute little Jasper in Australia. Yeah. And I didn't get. I got a T-shirt, and that was fine. But mm-hmm. it was just one. I was in Australia. Mm-hmm. You know, it was we were on, we were on beach the beach. We on swam. We had a blast. Yep. Christmas a, we, in Australia is uh, a very usually it's sitting around under the trees, having a picnic, swimming, everybody yep. just hanging out. Yeah, it's not really. You know, it's not a big deal anymore. Just not. For the little ones, for sure. The little children. 
we had a very funny discussion with Rory. This is not not connected. I don't want to make it sound connected. Um, we went shopping last Friday. Uh, we were going to get some ice cream. Melissa picked up the ice cream, cookies and cream, bring it home. For some bizarre reason, neither of us noticed. Yeah. On the container of this ice cream, in great big huge letters, it said yogurt. Yes. So this is frozen yogurt. 95% less fat, apparently. Mm, who cares? It's cookies and cream yogurt. Yeah. For some bizarre reason, Rory's got it stuck in his head that's ice cream. I know. I know. And we cannot convince him otherwise. <laughs> it's this thing I'm learning about 12-year-olds that know everything. Mm-hmm. He knows everything. It's funny as hell. It's frustrating cool. and aggravating at times, but I have to keep reminding myself that he's 12, mm-hmm. and I have to be mindful of how I correct him and don't correct him. Mm-hmm. And let it go. Uh-huh. Let it go. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Oh, uh-huh. <laughs> Lately, he's been noticing and going, Mom... <laughs> Why are you answering me weird like that? Mom, don't be sarcastic. I'll be going, what? Say what? He does talk a lot. But you kept trying to correct him on, no, no, it's yogurt. And after a while, I said, you just let it go. Just, I know, I'm letting it go. If you want to think it's ice cream, let it Fine. Th- and it's ter- it tastes terrible, by the way. Yeah. Well, I had some snow anyway. No, it's know. awful. But if he thinks it's ice cream, <laughs> it's great. It's a huge it's barrel of it yogurt. in the fridge. <laughs> I know it does. That's what kills me. I know. Well, it's because he gets it served to him. He is a funny, funny boy. The other uh, funny discussion you and I had uh, over this past week was about school uniforms. How did we get started on that? Remember when we talked about it? Hmm. Well, I know Rory's like, Mom, you need to wash my jeans yeah. again. I'm like, oh, my lordy. And I need gym strip and blah, blah. I don't understand how people can be against school uniforms. I don't know. I'd be interested to hear people's perceptions of that because they are the best They're the best. I remember being a kid. I think this is how we got started. I remember being a kid. I was short and fat. And we could not find clothes for my short, fat little body. And we ended up having, I remember distinctly going to Sears and going and getting the Husky clothes. It was the most embarrassing thing in the world because they said Husky on the back of them. Is that what, what Husky was the brand or they did it deliberately for bigger kids? It was the brand for bigger kids. Oh. So okay. if you were wearing Husky jeans, yeah. you were a fat kid. Yeah. It was just the way it was. If, mm. if it said Husky, Husky was code for fat. Oh. And so I knew I was fat because I was wearing Husky clothes. I couldn't, my, we couldn't find Levi's because back when I was a kid, Levi's were a big deal. Mm-hmm. And so all the other kids, all the cool kids were wearing Levi's and I'm wearing Huskies. Mm. And I remember how humiliated I was. I remember kids making fun of me because I was wearing husky clothes. Oh, my goodness. All that goes away with a school uniform. It does. That whole pressure of especially, unfortunately, girls having to dress a certain way and having to look a certain way is gone Mm -hmm. when they're all wearing the exact same thing. Mm -hmm. They're not going to worry about what's the right dress or what's the right jeans or what's the right top. Nope. You wow. actually get into trouble. You have to stay within the guidelines of your uniform at school. You get into trouble. How can you have and the cheaper for parents? Oh, uh, it's so. I used to, you'd order them in the mail. Mum would get the uniform in the mail. She'd sew it up either side because uh, they just come open, like the seams aren't done. Oh, really? The, I didn't not, know that. not the girls' dresses because yeah. then you could, yeah. I mean, and we would shorten them. We yeah. would pin them up and things like that just to make them a bit more risque. Yeah. But also then if you skip school, you're out in the community in your uniform. 
So, so people look at you because when you're not in your uniform, you can blend in a bit better. You're not going to skip school and go off to the movies or go and drink on the beach in your school uniform. Wouldn't you go change your clothes somewhere? Where are you going to go? Home? No, you go to a mall and go to the bathroom in a mall. Oh, no, no. no. Really? You wouldn't think about doing it? Back never, of a car or whatever? Oh, I never did that. Really? No. See, that's the first thing I would think of was just get it on no, the school uniform. No, got your uniform on. So that was actually a, a contributing factor to not skipping school. Well, because you felt like, as in Australia, the saying is a shag on a rock because everybody would be like, why aren't you in school? Because you have a uniform. Oh, a, sh- a shag is a bird. And when they stand on the rocks out in the ocean, oh, you can't mistake them. <laughs> shag. That's a weird. That's well, a you weird stand thing. out like a shag on a rock. <laughs> And then we had PE uniform. Yep. So we got our everyday uniform and then our PE uniform. And mm-hmm. if you didn't wear your PE uniform, <gasps> you're in deep doo doo. We had we didn't have a uniform that you had to wear. We you could wear just shorts and t shirt, but a lot of kids, if you could afford it, you buy the school t shirt. A little school crest on it, kind yeah. of thing, you know. Yeah, um, we did, but we did. I've heard people who say no, they don't like the idea of school uniforms. I do not understand how you could be against school uniforms. It 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 takes so much pressure away from kids to blend in and to be one of the cool kids by the way you by what you wear and the way you wear it. It takes away all the issues that schools have with girls showing too much midriff or shoulder or anything else like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, with boys who are wearing their pants down around their freaking ankles. Mm-hmm. Pull your pants up! And mm-hmm. I say it to kids all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, it takes away all that clothing pressure yep. on kids. And it's fine. You want to dress your your pants around your ass on the weekend. On the weekend. Sure. If you want to wear off-the-shoulder stuff or show your belly button for girls, go ahead. Oh, yeah. Just don't do it in school. Yeah, yeah. The, um, when, when you became a senior... It was you didn't go. You didn't have the, the the very very unattractive dress. You had a beautiful gray skirt and a white shirt. Yeah. So you start. You know you could sort of show your waist a little bit, but you still had to wear the proper shoes, proper socks, all that stuff. Yeah, there's no doubt that stuff is not attractive. But who cares? It, well, that's fine. I got no problem with that. Yeah, no, it's not attractive. Although if you were a beautiful girl, you'd still look beautiful yeah, in your in school. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't matter. It's interesting, uh, uh, folks. We have to go finish up our birthday dinner for Damon. Yes. Uh, um, thank you guys very much for listening. As always, send us emails to dltu at yml.me. This has been Don't Listen to Us. I've been Sean King. I'm Melissa King. Thanks very much. See ya. Bye.